So we're in this series called Linked, which is a series to connect distance people. Today's the fifth talk. In previous weeks, we helped you get connected to the need in your own heart to process feelings of anxiety and fear and disappointment and chaos. I said to you that you have to process those feelings, otherwise it'll affect the relationships with the people in your home and your neighbors. You can find any of these messages and all that we have going on as a church at neartownchurch.org. Well, starting today and for the next two weeks, we're gonna transition in this series to help you think about the needs of your neighbors. Now, when I say neighbor, I wonder what comes to mind for you. Well, we're gonna talk about three ways of thinking about our neighbors. Today is going to be about our geographic neighbors. Next week is gonna be about our neediest neighbors. These are the people living within a short drive from you that struggle to provide for themselves the basic needs for food and housing and clothing. And then in two weeks, I'm real excited about this, I'm gonna bring a talk to you about our ideological neighbors. These are the people who are politically, religiously, or culturally different than you. Well, today I want to talk to you about those people that are your neighbors by geography. Who is that? Imagine that you're leaving your house right now and you're going to start walking. How far are you gonna get before you're thinking about turning back and going home? Is it one block, five blocks, 10 blocks? What is it? I want you to think about all the people living within that walking distance as your neighbors for today. Think about those people. And think about this question. Can you name 10 of them? And if you can name 10 of them, can you identify a need that each of them have? My hope is that you will take responsibility for how God wants to show his love to, to your neighbors through you. Listen to that. God wants to show his love to your neighbors through you. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about how we ought to treat our neighbors. I'm reminded of this encounter between Jesus and a group of religious leaders. And at one part in the encounter, the topic of neighbor comes up. Do you know much about Jesus? Well, he'd become very popular in the first century in the Middle East around Jerusalem. And as he's becoming popular with the crowds, the religious leaders thought of his teaching as a threat to their established religious system. And so Jesus had more than one or two moments where he was in a crowd with religious leaders and they were trying to trap him and asking him questions, trying to trap him with his own words. You know, Jesus dealt mercifully with the crowds in his ministry, but he frequently rebuked the religious leaders. So they were always trying to catch him, trying to trip him up. Well, in Mark chapter 12, we read about this heated debate between Jesus and a group of these religious leaders, and they're trying to make him look foolish or worse, a liar. They're trying to discredit him to the crowds. Well, it's a little bit into this barrage of questioning Jesus, and we read this part about a scribe, one of the religious leaders, asking Jesus a very common question. It was commonly debated. The question is, of all of the laws, which is the most important to God? 
We read about this encounter in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. Here's what it says. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing. This is Jesus with the other religious leaders. And seeing that he answered them well, the scribe asked him this question. Which commandment is the most important of all? Now, the Jews had taken God's law and made over 600 rules to obey. There's much debate among the religious leaders as to which one were the heavy ones and which one were the light ones. Which are the more important, which are the lesser of importance. And Jesus, Jesus is invited to this debate because it seems like an unanswerable question. Which is the most important law to God? Which is the most important rule to obey? It's the kind of question that humbled the most wise teachers of the day. It's the kind of question that put the arrogant and elite thinkers in their place as mere mortals. But Jesus has an answer. Before he gives the two commands, which summarize the greatest command, he begins with, in verse 29, what's called the Shema. Listen. The most important, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is a creed that comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. It was recited twice daily, morning and evening, by devout Jews. It asserted the basis of Jewish faith. The Lord, Yahweh, God, Israel's covenant-keeping God, the Lord is one. That means he is unique. There is none other like him. What Jesus is doing here is what the kids call flexing on him. That's right. He's going to summarize the law with two commands, love God and love your neighbor. And whether or not the religious leaders were impressed, I'm not sure, but the scribe who asked the question is impressed. Verse 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. I can't see you, but raise your hand if you've heard that. The second one, verse 31, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, Jesus says. And in verse 32, the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, Yahweh is one. There is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's an important phrase. But listen to verse 34. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, to the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God, which is a good thing. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. The scribe says something profoundly important in verse 33, and Jesus affirms what he says in verse 33 in verse 34. And it's related to obeying these two commands. Obeying the two commands mean so much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Obeying these two commands, like really loving God and really loving your neighbor, is more important than any other religious activity. Now, we no longer sacrifice animals as a part of worship, but we have plenty of religious activity. We go to church, we read the Bible, and occasionally post verses on social media. 
We sing Christian songs and we attend virtual small groups. We give money for the work of the church. These are all good things and these are religious activities, things like praying. They're good. They're needed. They're essential religious activities. So I'm not down on them, but not one of them is more important than loving God and loving your neighbors. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard these two commands many times in my life. So why is it that we struggle to name 10 neighbors and to know them well enough to identify one need in their lives? Why is it that when we hear, love your neighbor, we tend to think of people other than our actual geographic neighbors? My hope is that you will take responsibility for how God wants to show his love to your neighbors through you. We're all asking, what is God's purpose in this disruption of our lives because of the virus? Could it be he wants to keep you in your home more so that you can see your neighbors in a way that you've never seen them before? What if God has orchestrated the events of your life and given you the budget that he's given you, as big or as small as it is, to put you in the place where you live, in a nice neighborhood or in a neighborhood where people struggle a bit more financially? Like what if what you thought was a smart financial decision or the only financial decision you had, or where you thought was going to be a great place to start a family or be near family, or what you thought was a good discount on the first month's rent, were all God's way of actually putting you near someone who needs his love. Can you believe that God Almighty wants to show his love to somebody through you? I believe with everything in me that where God has placed you to live is a place near a neighbor who needs God's love. And this is more important than any other expression of your faith. So it begs the question, how? How do we love our neighbor? It's helpful to consider that these two commands that Jesus gives, love God and love others, summarize the 10 commands, uh, 10 commandments that Moses gets at Mount Sinai. We read about it in Exodus chapter 20. Maybe you can recall an image of Moses standing on Mount Sinai with one stone tablet in each hand, looking down on the Israelite crowd. The commands enabled the people to experience peaceful, loving connection with God and with others. It's a bit of a restoration to what it was like for Adam and Eve in the garden. It's an attempt at that. So there's these two commands, love God and love others. Love God is summarized, summarizing the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments. They are, do not have any other gods, do not make other gods to worship, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Do keep the Sabbath set aside for worship. And then the other six commands in the list of 10 commandments talk about how you can love your neighbor. Listen carefully, because we're asking the question, how do I love my neighbor? Here we go. They start in Exodus chapter 20, verse nine. Honor your father and mother. Certainly it starts there, right? And then we see, do not murder your neighbor. Do not commit adultery with your neighbor. Do not steal from your neighbor. Do not lie about your neighbor. Do not covet what your neighbor has. 
This is a pretty good starting place as we seek to answer the question, how do I love my neighbor? But don't you know, this isn't the maximum of what it means to love our neighbor. This is the minimum. I mean, this is the starting place of what it means to love our neighbors. Most reasonably moral people would agree that you shouldn't murder your neighbor or steal from them or covet what they have. And so we're asking the question to God, God, what does it mean for me to really love my neighbor, not just do the bare minimum where I'm not creating division with them, but what does it mean to love my neighbor, to show them your love in a way that would reveal my faith in Christ? Like, how can we in 2020 with the required social distancing love people within a walk from our house? That's the question. I've got three things you can do, very practical. First of all, pray for your neighbors. I wanna challenge you with what we're calling the 10.2 Prayer Walk Challenge. We're challenging you to prayer walk or bike or run 10.2 miles between now and Mother's Day. Everybody that's listening is invited to accept this challenge. Now, unless you live within walking distance of my house, I'm probably not regularly gonna pray for your neighbors. I'm not taking responsibility for your neighbors or your neighborhood. I'm taking responsibility for my neighbors in my neighborhood. But don't you know that your prayers are just as effective as mine? And what you should do is gather the names of at least 10 neighbors and gather the needs of those neighbors and begin to ask God for some miracle to meet those needs, whatever they might be. So my wife did something pretty cool to gather the prayer requests of neighbors. She posted in our Nextdoor app simply uh, a request or an invitation for people to have us pray for them. We said, hey, we're walking around the neighborhood anyway. Is there something going on in your life maybe the life of somebody that's in your family that we can pray for. We're not gonna come into your driveway. We're not gonna come into your yard. We don't even need to know the specifics, but if you want us to pray for you, we're going to walk by your house and pray for you. And so that's one thing that's gonna help us get that 10.2 challenge accomplished in praying for our neighbors. I wanna challenge you with that. A second thing I wanna challenge you to do in application of the question how do we love our neighbors? I mean, with this COVID reality and this distancing reality, how can we love our neighbors? I want you to think about asking two questions. The first question is this, how are you? And the second question is, how can I help? You know, although we're distanced socially, we don't have to keep from talking to our neighbors. In fact, there's a good chance you'll have more of a chance to talk to your neighbor because they're all out in the front yard or they're out in the street. And some people will think you're crazy. Some people will think you're weird. And you know what? Who cares? It's okay because you've not lost anything, but there may in fact be an opportunity to listen to somebody share with you how they are. And I'm praying that some of these people will actually let you in on needs in their life. And then you'll pray for those needs. You'll pray for God to intervene in whatever's going on in their life. And then maybe you'll get an opportunity to help them. And if you can't meet that need, you need to let us know as a church because we want to rally around you to help you meet the needs of your neighbors. You see, you're asking, how are you? How can we help? And we're asking you, how is your neighbor? And how can we help your neighbors? 
something that's been happening on our block that I think is a really beautiful display of love is that there's a few families on the block. We've all got children. And so when anyone goes to the store, they're text messaging the other families going, hey, is there anything that you need from the store? And what it does is it keeps us from going to the store as often as we are. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of food being eaten in our house right now with everybody being home at all times. And I just think it's a simple way that our neighbors are loving us and then we're getting an opportunity to love our neighbors. You can love your neighbor, even though there's this disruption in all of our lives. So the first thing is to pray for your neighbors. I'm extending the 10.2 challenge. The second thing is to ask two questions. How are you? How can I help? And the third thing is I want for you to take some time to think about the answer to this question. How can I make where I live a better place? It's such a simple question. Do you know if you'll be intentional in making where you live a better place that other people will enjoy living there more? It's true. It doesn't matter how nice or not nice you think your neighborhood is. There are things that you can do to make where you live a better place. As an example of how you can make where you live a more enjoyable place, I want to share with you something that one of my kids did. Actually, a couple of them were involved in it. You see, there's a number of kids on our block that are isolated to their own homes, and they get antsy inside the house sometime. And so one of my kids had this idea of drawing an obstacle course with sidewalk chalk on the street. I don't know, maybe you've seen this, but it starts with a hopscotch grid on the ground. Do you remember hopscotch? It's like one box, you jump in, then two boxes, then three boxes, and then two boxes, you know, that kind of a thing. Google it if you don't know what it is. But it wasn't just a hopscotch course. After the hopscotch course, there was some circles that were close together and then some circles that were far apart where you had to jump your feet close together and jump to your feet far apart. And this went on for 25, 30, 40, 50 yards. And then after that, there's a big box. And at the front of the box, it says dance. And so you'd go after jumping on these circles, hopscotch and jumping on these circles, then doing these twists, you'd get to this box where it said dance and you do a little dance. And then there's this last section where you just sprinted. And so the idea went from a hopscotch course to entertain the neighbor kids to about a hundred yards of activity. Now, I promise you this, the parents of these children felt loved because it got their kids outdoors. It brought a smile to their faces. It meant a lot to them. Hey, you don't have to be a spiritually, what you would think of spiritually elite to think about ways to love your neighbors. There are ways that you can simply do things to make where you live a more enjoyable place. I'm not telling you to knock down the fence and become one with your neighbors. But what I'm saying is that you can think of ways of loving your neighbors. Do not let COVID-19 and the disruption to all of our lives prevent you from obeying the second great command. 10.2 Prayer Walk Challenge. Ask two questions. How are you? How can I help? And then do what you can to make where you live a more enjoyable place. We love our neighbor in response to how God has loved us through Christ. This is good news. May we all be the kind of people who will obey these two great commands 
which summarize all of the commandments of the Bible. Love God and love your neighbor. Let's respond to this at this time. Pastor Andrew's gonna lead us in a time of response.